Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland. It's a church that plants churches and of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. Hey, we're glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message. We hope this teaching helps you love God and love people better every single day. And if you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching. We're starting a new sermon series, and it's going to be a sermon series on, let me give you a big word, okay? It's going to be a sermon series on holiness or sanctification is another word. Those two big words that, that, that go out there that make people nervous, honestly, that uh, when people see those words, holiness, or they see sanctification, they see something that's not me. I, when I, when I, look, I'm a pastor. I've been in the holiness movement my entire life. But I got to tell you, when I hear the term holiness, sometimes you think of someone else. You don't always think of yourself because, well, there's a number of reasons for this. Uh, when you define what is holiness, holy, holiness. Holiness is something usually that I'm attaining to. And since I see all of my faults, all of my flaws, I don't see, I don't tend to see myself as holy per se. I'll look at somebody else whose flaws I can't see, whose, whose failures I don't know, and I'll see them as holy, almost perfect. There are some people in the world, I know nobody's perfect. Everybody stay with me. But there are some people in the world I look at and I view them as almost spiritually perfect. They just don't seem to have a lot of spiritual flaws. But, but what, what I want to do in the next three weeks is I, I want us to come to understand that that idea of becoming perfect is not actually the definition of holiness. That idea of becoming flawless, I've never done anything wrong, I've never done anything wrong, I never will do anything wrong, that, that's really not where we're headed with this. In fact, I think sometimes when people live in that type of an idea of holiness, they get caught up in, in, in well, I'm going to use another big word, in legalism. They get caught up in rule following. They get caught up in just saying, well, here's the way this has to work. And if, if you'll do this, 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 and this, and not do this, 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 and this, then you can be holy. Well, I think when we do it that way, we miss the point of what holiness actually is. Because holiness is us learning to live the way that Christ would have us live in the presence and the power and the, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It, it, it has nothing to do with what so many people uh, define it as. I, I, I got to be honest, far too often... Holiness becomes, well, holiness becomes about following rules. And, and I, I need you to understand that when, when, when holiness becomes about following rules, the rules, uh, y'all, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but the rules get silly. They, they just do. I, I want to show you something. I'm going to take you to three different places in, in, in the Gospels today. And I want to start in Matthew chapter 12. 
In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is going to run into the Pharisees and the Sadducees, okay? He's going to run into a group of these ultra-holy, holier-than-thou people who, who are always coming at him because they're trying to find a way to trap him. And so, so I, I, just, I just want to show you something. We're in Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to start reading verse 9. I want to read the story, and then I want, I want to take you down this road. I want to show you something. It says, going on from that place, Jesus is moving on, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They, the Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Now, the Pharisees are what... And I, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, I, I don't want to, I, I don't, I don't want to call names. But I, I have to tell you, the Pharisees are what an awful lot of the holiness movement today looks like. They are. They follow all the rules. They keep all the rules. There's rules about the Sabbath. There's all these rules piled on top of rules, piled on top of rules, piled on top of rules about keeping the Sabbath holy in our world, in our culture. That would be what you can do and what you can't do on Sunday. And so, so, so they have all these rules piled on top of rules. And you can't lift more than this much weight. You can't walk more than that distance. You can't work. You can't do any work. Well, if Jesus is a prophet and a healer and a teacher, then when he is teaching and he is healing on the Sabbath, he's working. And so the Pharisees are saying, you're breaking the Sabbath law by healing this man. And Jesus makes the point, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. How in the world, Jesus is saying, is it possible that doing something good for someone is illegal? or is somehow immoral, or is somehow unspiritual. You see, when we try to boil holiness down to a set of rules, the rules get silly. There is a silliness of rules that sets in, and it always does. I mean, look, look, I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a light, uh, a pretty light example of this. When I first went into ministry uh, uh, back, back in the day, right, uh, there, was a, there was a uniform for pastors, Pastors always wore a coat and tie on Sunday morning, and most of the time when you saw a pastor out during the week, he was in slacks and a button-up, and usually some type of blazer. Pastors were always dressed professionally because that was the uniform. And when you went to a pastor's gathering, all of them had on suits, all of them had on coats and ties, a blazer, whatever. They all, they all had this same uniform on, right? Well, as I got into ministry and as I was in about, you know, six, eight, ten years into ministry, that uniform started to change. I got rid of the coat and tie because it separated me from people. It physically, people would see I wasn't dressed like them and then they didn't feel quite comfortable with me. And so there was this separation that took place. So uh, along with a lot of other pastors in the country, I started wearing just jeans and a, a button-up shirt for Sunday morning, right? Just dressing it down. It's very funny. You go to a pastor's gathering now. And it's not like we don't still have a uniform. It's just a new uniform. We're all still dressed just alike. Everybody's got on the button-up shirt. Everybody's got the jeans on. Everybody, you know, it, We went through a period. Rick Warren sent us through a period where everybody was wearing Hawaiian shirts. 
Then we went through a period where everybody was wearing these embroidered biker shirts with the very, very elaborate embroidery on the back of the shirt. And then we, we would go through all these different periods. And I, I don't know what's next. I, I guess hoodies are next. I, I just don't even know. But, but there's this silliness about rules because we have this expectation. If you dress like this, you will be that. If you dress like that, you will be the other. And, and we set rules on things. When I, again, when I first started in ministry, there was a rule about how long a man's hair could be. Well, why does that even matter? Why does that even? The rules get so silly. And look, culture does this now, too. Culture's given us a whole set of rules that are even sillier than the old rules the church had. The church had rules about dress and had rules about hair and had rules about it that were just silly. I mean, every picture you've ever seen of Jesus, he had long hair and a beard. But there was a period where pastors were supposed to have short hair and be clean shaven. And that was like the rule. Why is that the rule? If Jesus, if Jesus did not, how can you have a picture of Jesus with long hair and a beard and then tell your pastor he has to have short hair and be clean shaven? You see how silly it is? Well, culture does this now. Culture gives us rules that tells us we can't even define what a man is or what a woman is. Culture gives us rules that says that, that, that we're not even allowed to assume what nature tells us is absolutely true. I mean, look, all of these rules get silly. Do you know why? Because they don't take humans into account. They only talk about rules and standards. We've got to talk about humans. The work on the Sabbath was not the issue. There was a man with a need. His hand was shriveled. There was a man that needed to be healed. Did not matter what day it was, because Jesus says in another place in Scripture that, that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. So it did not matter what day it was. This man needed help, and Jesus was going to give it to him. you got to understand the rules are just silliness. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear on something. I'm not suggesting that all the rules go away. I'm suggesting that they go into the right category and we view them properly. Go to, go to the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, starting with verse 15, Jesus speaking, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. The word here is paraclete, one who comes alongside, which is also the word for the Holy Spirit. This is a description of the Holy Spirit to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. As Jesus is speaking, it's prior to the day of Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit is with them at all times. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit indwells them. Today in our world, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Now watch. If you look at biblical norms, the, the Ten Commandments, biblical commands, don't do this, do that. If you look at that, you don't, I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting we throw out any of those rules. I'm suggesting that we understand them within the context and through the lens of the Holy Spirit that guides us. You see, there is strength in rules. There is the strength of rules. There's a silliness of rules when mankind makes them and when mankind def uh, defines them. But when God gives them and then the Holy Spirit defines them in a given moment, then there's strength in them. There are some guardrails that ought to be in place. Don't do this. Don't do this. There's some guardrails that ought to be there. Those guardrails are from God to keep us, in, to keep us out of trouble. But if we will stay in the guardrails, 
it's not a matter of make sure you're always exactly 47 inches from that guardrail and four feet and two inches from the other. And that's what, that's what humans do. Humans get inside the guardrails and we start making these insane, idiotic little detail rules inside of the guardrails when all God says is, look, stay in here and then follow my voice. Why? Because God says it's not about the rules. It's about the people. The rules are not there to prove how good you are. The rules are there so that you can serve other people effectively. God wants us to serve others. In fact, I'll tell you, we've talked about the silliness rules and the strength of rules. Let me give you the summation of rules, all right? And let's sum it all up because Jesus does that in Matthew chapter 22. The summation of rules is simple. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to his words. All the law, all the rules, all the law, and the prophets, the history, hang on these two commandments. It's y'all, 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 y'all. It's not about the rules. It's not about the structure. I'm going to get in trouble, but I need you to understand. I have a theology. I have a doctrine. I have rules. Everybody's got that? But it's not about my theology. It's not about my doctrine. And it's not about my rules. It's about Jesus reaching and changing the lives of other people around us. It's always about, watch, love God, love people. I want you to know something. I, I want to speak on holiness. I want to teach holiness. I want to proclaim holiness. I want to spread holiness, right? I, I, I've grown up. I am a part of the holiness movement. I want to spread holiness. But you need to understand, I, I have no desire to see you become a legalistic, uh, a self-righteous rule follower who forces everybody else to act just like you. That's not helpful. If you become so holy that you climb up in a cave somewhere and you spend 23 out of 24 hours a day fasting and praying before God, but you never help anybody, you're not doing anything worthwhile. I got to be honest, God did not send us here to isolate us in some kind of monastic cave somewhere so that we would never do anything wrong. God sent us here to spread his word to a world that needs it. God sent us here so that we could take people with shriveled hands and heal them. God sent us here so that we could take broken hearts and heal them. God sent us here so that we could take lonely people and walk alongside them. God sent us here so that we could help bring the power, the presence, and the life-changing reality reality of the blood of Jesus that forgives and the power of the Holy Spirit that guides into every life around us. That's what we're here to do. And we're here to do that across lines, across boards. You say, no, no, we need people that are Wesleyan, just like us. Most of you don't even know what a Wesleyan is, so that doesn't, that doesn't matter, right? We need people that are Baptist. Well, no, we don't. We don't need people that are Baptist or Wesleyan or Methodist or, or Lutheran or, or Catholic. We need people that are like Jesus. We need people that know how to love God and love people better every day. Well, wait a minute. Did you know that's the definition of holiness? The definition of holiness is learning to love God and love people better every day. That's what we need to do. Are there rules? Are there guardrails? Sure there are. They're in the Bible. They're in Scripture. You see them. You know they're there. Are the, do, But do we need to be careful inside? The, no. If you're inside the guardrails, you need to follow the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says. Listen to where he sends you. Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to motivate you to bring healing 
and change and life into the lives of everyone around you. And that's what this is all about. So how, how do I get it? Listen to me. Work hard every day at loving God and loving people better. And you'll find that holiness will begin to take hold in your life and change the lives of everyone around you. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us an example of how to live our lives. Thank you for reminding us that it's not about our rules and our ability to follow them. Thank you for reminding us that we are here to serve other people. Lord, guard us against those who would try to beat us up with their rule books. Guard us against those that would try to make us look just like them. And instead, Lord, teach us to look just like you. Teach us to love you and love other people better every single day. And Lord, as you change our lives and make us more like you, we will always do everything we can to turn the attention back to you and give you the glory for setting us free, for making us new, and allowing us to live in a way that helps other people. Lord, teach us to love you and love others better every day. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every single day. If you enjoyed this, please take a second, share it with your friends. And last, we wanted to give a special thanks to all of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you all that this is possible. And if you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, go ahead and click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. So thanks again for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.